Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Well, it's great. It's such a joy to be back here, uh, back home um, with you. Um, it, it, we've had a, an exciting few few days. I'm going to share a little bit about that in a moment. Um, just some kind of practical housekeeping uh, announcements to make before we kind of get into the word. And God's going to drop a word into our hearts as church for this month. And, and at the end of this time, God is going to move in healing and miracle power. I only needed one person to agree with me, and that's a done deal. So that's fine. We had several, so that's good. Um, I don't know whether you can think back five, ten minutes ago when we just kind of sang that, that song. He, his name is High, that one. Remember that one? Well, it's a real joy. I think a few weeks ago I mentioned that our current worship director called Pete Norman, who's been on staff for about 12, 13 years, and his wife Sally, who was the children's director, God is sending them up north, up north, up north, lad, up north. So they're investing in, uh, in, in caps and, and ferrets and all kinds of things, whatever they do. Um, but they're going to go up there and, uh, and join our church in Kingdom Faith, Yorkshire, in Scarborough. Um, they're actually in, the, in a transition at the moment. Uh, they've moved out of their house at Horsham and they're, at the minute living in the Bible school, which is a real blessing for them. Um, so we, we have, over the last few weeks, months, been, OK, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And from the 1st of September, one of the young men who actually was here on Wednesday night, he's mid-twenties, uh, called Toby Urquhart, is going to be f- uh, starting in the role of worship director. Uh, he, he, I've known him ever since he was born. And there, he is an exceptional young man. Uh, there, there's a couple of other ones. I'm going to mention one of them in a minute as well. He's an exceptional young man because out of no pressure, out of no persuasion, he very intentionally sets hours aside every day just to pursue the face of Jesus. And, and ever since I've known him, since he was certainly started to do this when he was about six, uh, he has been just spending time just in the presence of Jesus. He's a little bit like uh, a Joshua. If you know your Bible... Moses went in and out of the presence of God, and that was great. That was his season. That was his, uh, his calling and his ministry. But Joshua, it said, remained in the tent and was just there soaking it up. And Toby has a whole life of just soaking it up. Uh, he's an exceptional young person, very creative. Um, he's a songwriter. He's a player. Uh, so we have said, right, we'd, we'd love you to take on this role of worship director. So he starts that on the 1st of September, which is a real joy. Um, so you will get to see him a little bit. Uh, he's going to be working with some of the guys here just to really develop our worshipping community um, because we believe in that. The, o- the other thing uh, that I want to mention as well, and this is slightly less relevant for us in, in the congregation in Worthing, but still important to know, is that another young man, slightly older than Fraser, but another young man again, who through all kinds of circumstances in his family found himself to be the head of his household when he was 12. And he has spent years just in the pursuit of the father heart of God. And his name is Fraser Newman, and he's a real joy to know. Um, He's just a blessing. And he is going to be um, helping uh, with the whole children's role with our brand new uh, youth and children's leader, who's actually here this morning somewhere. 
uh, he's probably out with the young people. So we've asked Dave Hellier, again, he's been on staff forever. Um, he's a Tottenham supporter, apart from that, he's a great guy. Um, but we've asked him to um, really continue with leading the youth, but also to develop uh, the children's leadership and the children's team. So he's actually started that new role. And we're investing Fraser and a couple of other people just to help him really build um, real life and vibrancy into the children's work and ministry. So we are blessed, aren't we? Is that all right? I think that's amazing. What a team. So I, I now, I'm not sure I say this, I now am the eldest one on our spiritual leadership by a few years. Um, but I can still run as fast as all of them. And I've proven it. Um, anyway, that's for another day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Yes. A uh, couple of other things as well. Um, I, I know there weren't many of you that can make it to the impact prayer meeting on Wednesday, which really was a pity. I think it was a pity for you, to be honest. Um, I'm not saying that because I've got an issue with, with you not being here, just because of what God did. It was an exceptional evening in all kinds of ways. Uh, there were about 40, 45 people here, but the sound was like the Stretford end at Old Trafford when they managed to score a goal, which you might not have a clue what that means. It was a bit like we had just won a gold medal. It was a bit like Jesus was Lord. It was a bit like Jesus is changing the youth generation. Just the faith, the vibrancy, uh, the whole way that it, God just led us through very deliberately, very um, th- thoughtfully from... Tremendous time of encounter at 7.30, really through for releasing uh, generational stuff over our, our, our own people in our congregation here, but also in the college here. Uh, there are 2,300 16 to 18-year-olds that come in here every day. And we want to see God touch those lives, don't we? Well, I do. Tom does. So that's enough. There's two of us. So we were just releasing that. And then across Europe, where within the, you know, 18 to 30s, there is a whole strategy to rob their destiny from them. It's rife. There's all kinds of stuff out there, out of the security of maybe our experience, that the enemy is trying to rob young people's faith, vision, purpose and destiny. And it was a tremendously powerful time just really getting hold of God and, 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 and making demands on God, if you like, about enough is enough and want to see a transformation. And then the last session was really about the whole restoration and this river of, of kind of flow for the evening really finished around praying for Israel, uh, which again, about the young people there and um, about what God wants to do. So it was a great evening. For me personally, I just felt it was an honour and a privilege and just such an experience to be part of what God is doing at the moment because we are in exciting times. Some of you say amen, some of you look amen. Um, it's, we're in exciting times, and I'm thrilled to be part of that, and I hope you are as well. And then yesterday, and there was one Thanksgiving card, is Lenny and a couple of the other guys, I think spent four hours somewhere here, just really with some of our young people. Now, I don't know what your young people got out of it, I have no idea, but the guys loved it. They were texting me. We had such a great time. We loved it. Here's some pictures. Here's some photographs. This, this is time. That's not just time for the young people, all right? But I believe here we need to begin to invest spiritually into this generation. You're pretty smart people. You're pretty wise people. 
uh, you know God enough to be able to make a positive difference to the next generation because if we're not careful, they will be a lost generation. I don't mean they don't know Jesus because everybody born doesn't know Jesus. But what I mean is if we don't put pressure on this generation through prayer particularly, they will be lost. I don't know about you, but that's not in my game. Is that okay? So that's good. Last, last weekend, some of you may know, some of you may not know, but I had the privilege and the opportunity to go and work with uh, three of our nine churches that we've started in Italy over the last few years. And um, just a lot of fun, really. Don't want to spend too much time talking about that, other than uh, God was doing three things. Firstly, he was restoring. Uh, there were people that came along that had long-term, short-term uh, medical prognosis, uh, diseases, and God just healed them and set them free. There was uh, redemption, where people have been living under occult stuff, under addictive stuff, under drug abuse, under physical abuse, and God just set them free and restored them. And then there was repairing. Uh, there was a, certainly one evening where, um, in Italy, divorce is not a good thing, and there were four divorces within a group of 30 people. But in that... God just suddenly repaired their hearts, took away guilt, shame, all the stuff. And there was a tremendous breakthrough. But I'm not saying that because it was great. What I'm saying that for is because at the same time, so I was in Italy with Rory, which is about 1,200 miles from here. This one sat on the front. Andrea was not even in this hemisphere. She was in South Africa. And she's going to come up in a minute and just share a little bit about what God was doing there. And I understand last week here was a phenomenal morning. Great sense of the presence of the Lord. Andrew was just really preaching top drawer out of the heart of God. So the whole point is this. God is on the move in the northern hemisphere and in the southern hemisphere, which is exciting. But there is something about being part of who we are right now which is adding a lot of energy to what God wants to do on the ground. So for three people in two different hemispheres, God was doing some amazing things, and we're all part of that. So the, certainly with me, uh, the church in uh, Bologna, which is about the same size as this, the church in Modena, which is about four times the size of this, the church in Fano, which is about half the size of this, all wanted me to tell you that they love you. They love you. They love you for two reasons. One, because they know you believe in the same God that they believe in. Two, that you release me to go and tell them. Because we saw 20, 25 people give their life to Jesus in three days. Uh, God gave over 50 words of wisdom. And people were responding that and getting healed. 40 people got baptised in the Holy Spirit at the same time. It was kind of fun, but we're all part of that. That's the point, is that we're here as the body of Christ. Whatever our personal circumstances look like, God wants to do good. So, Andre, you want to grab a microphone? Some of you may or may not know, you've certainly just seen the video about freedom. Freedom, in my mind and in our mind as leadership, is essential. It's not something that maybe we just need to leave in the options bucket uh, I've been through it four times, and every time I go through it, God just unwraps something. He just releases something. He just brings me into a greater sense of something. And those of you that have been on Encounter will probably say the same. But it's also part of our leadership development program. It's part of our discipleship pathway. 
because we just have seen God do some exceptional things in the last two years through really encountering the truth and encountering the spirit of truth. And um, when we did the last one um, here, which was in May, we had 12 people from two Ealing Pentecostal churches in South Africa that really just wanted to experience the presence of God and the whole um, way that encounter is around. And we're the only people outside of America that do it anywhere. So they flew up uh, at their own expense. We, we kind of put them up, I was going to say, but also put up with them. And they did with us, yeah. probably. Uh, and these guys didn't come to see the conference. They came to be part of it. And they, without exception, just got totally set free of all kinds of stuff. Then the second part of our kind of commitment to these two churches, uh, Andrea's going to tell you about now. Yes. Um, so, yes, um, they came to be part of the Freedom Encounter to go through it. But we went there to equip them to do their encounters like by themselves so we came last um last week um and we just really released actually that church into freedom to do the freedom encounter it, it was just incredible so we were part of the encounter there were a hundred people from that church going through the encounter so um part of the team was the people from England, but also the people who came over from Africa, they were also part of the team. But we were equipping them, we were teaching them, we were coaching them um, to, to, do, to do it all. So there were like five, somebody always says with us, pots of gold. Um, there were... <laughs> Do you say this always? Yes. <laughs> like there were lots of things. One was very good. The first one was to see people released in praying for people. That was incredible because a lot of them said afterwards, I would never have done that without you. Like without our support. Because we said, come on, you can do it. The God, God is the same God as in England. That was a really good one. God is the same God in Africa as he is here in England. So we could see even more than we had here in Africa. So it was really that was one the next one was um the pastors they were so encouraged by us coming like we just helped them encouraged them be there had fun we also went to table mountain if you've been in cape town we went on there so we caught we didn't have a little holiday but we did have a little holiday <laughs> a little bit 24 hours so that was very good and then also the actual encounter that was it was incredible again like I, I was, I've been always so honored to be part of the team, to be part of serving. But just the things that people come and carry with, like with them, like I can, I can say this. And there was one, one lady and um, she, she uh, was forced seven years ago to abort her child. Forced. So she did not want it, but her ex did say and then a year later again she had never told anybody seven years carrying that with her and then she came to me and she completely broke and I broke and we 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 stood there and it was goosebumps again you know like the release that there was in that lady that she finally could tell somebody who she could trust who she could and she was always afraid but this was 
she knew she had some people to tell, but this was just the moment she got set free of it completely. And she, she shared it and it's powering sharing. You know, when you say something, the enemy has been just put into you and you say it, it's gone. It's out and it's in the air and the enemy cannot have another hold on it because it's gone. So she was completely set free. Like literally, it was incredible. So, and many, many more stories I heard from others. It was just really, really good. And the Sunday morning, the whole, like we had a service and the worship was incredible because people just came in a complete new place. And it was the same here, it was the same in Horsham, same in Crawley, you know, when, when you've done, gone through the Freedom Encounter. Yeah, it's, it's just incredible. So thank you, Jesus. It's good. Brilliant. So you're ready? Because God wants to speak right into your hearts in these next few moments and into your mind. But there is a reason. And uh, interestingly, the prayer this morning, we had at nine o'clock, um, we, we're kind of training up some other people to help carry some of the responsibility in prayer. So we're, we're having someone lead prayer and then somebody kind of co-lead it and really hear from God and bring some stuff with them. Uh, the, the scripture that I had for this morning is uh, Acts 10, 37 to 38. And this is a description of what Jesus did. Uh, and then we're just going to track through how he did some of what he did, why he did what he did, and how you and I right now can enter into the done of what he did. All right, so we're going to look at why did he do what he did, what, what did he do, and then how do we walk into the done. So Acts 10, 37 to 38 says this, You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. Great. This is a contextual setting. You know, you've heard the story, right? I'm going to tell you a story. There's a story about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good. Take note of that. He went around doing good and healing so there are two, two different things about the same job profile. Jesus came to do a couple of things, to seek and to save that which was lost, tells us that in John, but to go around doing good and healing all who were under the power, uh, sorry, who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And I just want you to know that God is still with him. God wasn't just with him two and a half thousand years ago. God is with him now. And God has still sent Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to go around doing good today. He wants to do you good today and heal you. He wants to do you good today and set you free. He wants to do good today and remove everything that's preventing you from knowing him and trusting him. In fact, part of the example and the reason why I gave the examples last Sunday is it wasn't just a team from here that went to South Africa. God was in South Africa going around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. In Italy, it wasn't just me turning up there. I mean, thank God it wasn't. But, the, the, but Jesus was turning up, wandering around the chairs and wandering around the people's lives, x-raying them, knowing them, reading their minds, reading their mail, knowing all about them and still saying, I'm going to do you good. One of the most amazing things that happened with me when I first gave my life to Jesus is I thought I was the only one that knew my life for 26 years. 
and I was wrong. But that's not the thing that blew my mind. What blew my mind is God knew all about my life and he still wanted to do me good. That was where my mind was just, it was just blown to pieces because Jesus knows you and he still wants to do you good. Jesus knows you and he still wants to heal you. We might be thinking, and there's a certain stuff out there where sickness, well, that's just, you deserve sickness. You do not deserve sickness. Sickness, just get over it. It's part of suffering for Jesus. No, it is not part of suffering for Jesus. You need to restudy your words. Suffering for Jesus means that every day I deny myself and live for him and not for me. That's actually what that word means. Suffering does not mean all the rubbish of life has a right to be in my life. Is not what it means. It does not mean, well, I just have to grin and bear it. No, Jesus grinned and bore it. Hallelujah. On the cross 2,000 years ago, he bore it. Woo, I'm getting preachy this morning because it winds me up. It totally annoys me. But we think somehow that if we're sick, we deserve to be. We're, we're kind of half right. Because we do deserve to be. But Jesus doesn't give us what we deserve. Come on. That's what mercy is. We do deserve to be sick. We do deserve to be useless. We do deserve to be failures. We do deserve to spend the rest of eternity where God is not. But he doesn't give us what we deserve. That's not how good comes. Good comes because of grace and mercy. So this morning, whether you feel as if God has a right to do you good or whether you've got a thousand reasons why he shouldn't, guess what? He's still going to do you good anyway. Because he does you good and me good because of his nature and not because of mine. He does us good because of who he is and not because of who I am. And we're going to look at some stories which are in the whole Bible reading for this last week about how is it that Jesus just touched every life that came to him and every time he did them good. And we're going to run out of excuses of, oh God, you can't do that to me. Yes, he can if you trust him. Oh yeah, I know you can do that with all of these guys, but what about me? You're the what about me that Jesus came for. Hallelujah. I'm getting a bit preachy. Is that right? I'll go anyway. I've got the microphone. Hallelujah. The first one is this. No mother-in-law jokes, right? Keep, keep the thought captive. Mark 1, 29 to 31 says this. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to church, had a great time, you know, probably preached a bit, probably did this. They went with James and John to the house of Simon and Andrew. So here are four people and Jesus. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Night fever. She, she had a fever. She wasn't well. She was struggling in her body. She was sweating. She was hot and cold. We all know what a fever is. They immediately told Jesus about her. I think there are some people that you know, you just need to tell Jesus about them. There are some people that we know are not good. They're not well. They're suffering with stuff. We just got to tell Jesus and then bring Jesus into the room. Let's not make excuses. Let's not make reasons. No, no, just, let's just tell Jesus. Jesus, there's an issue there with this person. Please come and heal them. 
come on, don't try and work out, oh, well, they deserve it, they're not very good, or, you know, they voted Conservative, or they voted Remain. Come on, let's go a bit higher, shall we? Listen, Jesus, you'd want to do them good. You want to change them, you want to touch them. But look at what happened. Immediately, they told Jesus about her. Her mother-in-law's upstairs, she's not well. He went to her. Can I just suggest this, that as soon as you make the first step towards Jesus, he will make the second one towards you. He won't run away, he won't ignore you, he won't play the dumb person, he won't say, what, did you hear that noise? No, he's interested in you. He's interested in me, saying, Jesus, I need some help right now. Jesus is not right somehow, and he will come and he'll do something. Are you still with me here? Please say yes. The fever left her and she began to wait on him. I think, this is my personal punt, that there are people within the body of Christ, within society, that, man, there's a call, there's a destiny for them, there's a serving which only they can do, but it's been restricted because of sickness. Which is wrong. No, Jesus has a purpose for everybody in this room. Everybody kicking the ball around there. Jesus has a purpose for you. And only you can do it with the help of God. And sometimes sickness just comes in to try and delay it or dissuade us. No, no, no. We just need to reach out and say, Jesus, come and heal me. I can't do what I know you want me to do because when I do, it hurts. Jesus said, well, I'll take it away then. I can't do what I know you want me to do because when I do, I just get exhausted. Then let Jesus become our strength. It's just making some sense. So sometimes what Jesus shows us here is one of the good things is he wants you and I to be fruitful in serving him. He wants us to be effective in how we serve Jesus. But sometimes we just need healing from having a rubbish attitude. Come on. Because part of serving is how God helps us to grow. I was really blessed this morning to pray me. I'm going to embarrass somebody now, but they love me. We have someone in the congregation. I've known them for, what, three, four years now. For the first time, I heard them say microphone and said, I had a word from God and this is it. And you've heard it as well because it was read out on a Thanksgiving card. Really simple, straightforward. Doesn't mean the person's simple. It just means that they hear God in a simple way. And what they said was, knocking on the door, went to answer the door and there was nobody there. Okay, it was a bit random, right? And then they said, God said to me, I'm not like that. When I knock at the door, I stay there till you've opened it. Come on. I think that's pretty deep, right? Why? Because Jesus wants to do that person good. Empty door doesn't do anybody any good. It's like, oh, what's going on? So that's the first bit of the story. Second one is this. And this is from Matthew 8, 16 to 17. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmity and bore our diseases. What's this all about? The presence of God in Jesus forces every enemy to bow. I'll just let you think about that one. Jesus just spoke a word. He spoke a word. And I do wonder whether sometimes the sickness, the disease, the pain, the strain, the shame, the guilt, maybe we've just heard that conversation for years. We've got so used to it, we join it. Do you know what I mean by that? 
sometimes maybe we've just get that thing going on in our head, la, 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 la. And we've heard it for so many times that we just begin to have a conversation with it. And then Jesus would turn up and said, that's enough, I'm going to hear right now. Boom, with a word, he healed them. I don't know about you, but my experience of being healed in my own life has not been, I've spent ages, oh Lord, please heal me, heal me, heal me. Because he already has. I'm asking Jesus to do something he's already done. What's the point of that? So I just go to Jesus and say, thank you that you've healed me. Not, will you, will you, will you? Because I know the answer. We can look at the answer in a minute. I say, thank you, thank you, thank you that you have. And I'm just going to get on with life. Do you, do you understand what? This is making some sense to anybody. I refuse to allow pain, gain, shame, guilt, rob me or force me to go under something when Jesus wants me to go over it. Because there is a spiritual enemy out there. It's called the devil with a really small D. It's called Satan with a really small S. I had to go through the tens of thousands of words in the script for encounter because everybody put a big S on Satan. No, it does not deserve one. It's just having a little one. Jesus can have a big J and he can have a big C, but Satan, you have a little one. Sorry, it's just the way I'm wired. But when, God, when Jesus went around doing good at the time, there was all kinds of reasons. You know, it's this, it's that, it's the other. We're going to look at a couple of examples of that in a moment. But what Jesus shows us here is even spiritual forces, however you perceive that, whether you think there's a devil over any tree or the devil doesn't exist, which is his biggest deception, he doesn't exist. Yes, he does. But there's only one of them. There's only one devil. And he's out in the Middle East somewhere killing people with missiles. There are 50, 60 of us already we're on the up. Hallelujah. But Jesus says, no, he took up everybody who came to him, it says in Matthew. We've got to come to Jesus. We've got to come to Jesus. And this morning we're going to have an opportunity to come to Jesus, which means we've got to somehow kind of wave goodbye to the reasons and wave goodbye to the, to the feelings and wave goodbye to the history and wave goodbye to the moaning or whatever it is that we've been doing. We'll just wave goodbye to it and just come to Jesus instead. Say, right, Jesus, today you're going to do something. Jesus, today you have authority over the physical and the spiritual. Come on, Norton, I'll tell you, you and me, man, we'll have them. Because this is true. He went round doing good because the Lord was with him and he was anointed. Debilitating powers must submit to the word of God says that Jesus took them up. He took them up. He doesn't negotiate. Jesus does not negotiate with healing or sickness, certainly not spiritual stuff either. Because what tends to happen is we can become a bit under the weather and immediately the enemy will say, well, you're a Christian, you shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't be responding like that. Call yourself, call yourself spiritual, really. And he'll jump on the back. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, maybe we've just done something wrong or maybe we've just looked at something. It's like, oh, no, no. And then the enemy will just use that. The enemy doesn't cause that, but he'll certainly use that. Yeah. Come on. Well, maybe this is just me, in which case, let's swap seats. But this is what happens with me. But I'm smart enough now to say, Jesus, you're still my Lord. You're still my God. And I, I'm not going to stand under here and be beaten up by an enemy who is a defeated enemy. I'm not. 
Why, why would you? Why would you? Why would we together let the enemy give us such a bashing when we know that actually they're a defeated force? Part of the reason for me, and maybe for you too, is because I don't come to Jesus. I try and fight the fight of faith on my own. Because that's what it says in the Bible. Uh, kind of. Kind of. What it really means more is live in the same faith that Jesus did when he was walking around. Come on. You had enough? <laughs> Let's go to the next one. This is from Luke 5, 12 to 15. So this is probably about Wednesday or Thursday. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, say immediately. immediately. Don't you love that? I just love that. There's other things in here that I love as well, but time might not allow us to get into them all. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Loads of stuff inside of here. This, this is, there's hours of message in here. First one. This guy doesn't have a skin disease, he actually had an antisocial disease. Because at the time, these guys had to live in a certain part of town, they weren't allowed out in the daytime when they were allowed out at all, they had to ring a bell saying, we're coming, stay indoors. Why? Because under the law, if anybody touched them, they couldn't go to church. Also under the law, there was a reason why they were like that, and it probably wasn't a good reason. So this guy was dealing with all kinds of stuff in his emotion, in his heart, in his physical. Every time he went out, bits of his body fell on the ground. That's what it does, skin disease. And yet he came with a humility, came to Jesus because he heard he was there. And I believe he's here this morning. And he said this, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In other words, there was no doubt in his heart that Jesus could make him clean. The doubt was, are you willing to? We got that. And it might be for some of us, we may think, or we may have allowed the, it doesn't matter, we might be in a situation right now where we don't think Jesus wants to touch us because he knows, he doesn't know who we are as well as we know who we are. He does know you. And Jesus immediately takes the if out. I am willing. Be clean. I love that. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of Jesus. He went around doing good and healing all. Say all. All who were under the power of the enemy. I am willing. Be clean. And guess what? Jesus, the, the Jew, the rabbi, the one who knew the law inside out, he wrote it. He's in it. It talks about him. Guess what he did? He reached out and touched someone he should never have touched. Come on. That would have blown everybody's minds. and was there. What? Don't you think? And I imagine maybe if you were there or I was there, it'd have been a bit of whisper. Shh, Jesus touched the leper. <laughs> Jesus touched the leper. Ooh, Jesus touched the leper. Ooh, Jesus would have said, what leper? Because it might be that we're sitting here thinking, well, actually, I, I, I deserve to have this. 
This is my lot. This is as good as it can get. I've coped with it. I deal with it. I just manage it. Jesus doesn't want us to manage it. He's taken it. Jesus, it said, it touched his life and boom, he was healed straight away. He was a bit of a naughty boy because Jesus said, don't tell anybody. And clearly he did. (laughs) But just imagine maybe the publicity was more like this. Maybe you're known within your family, within your workplace, within your household, within your own life, within your marriage. Maybe you're known as someone that has a condition. And then the next time they see you, it's gone. You don't have to say anything. They just see that you're different. So I don't know whether he just went gobbing it up, you know, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. I don't know whether he did that. I think the fact that he was out in the day, I think the fact that he was whole emotionally, whole physically and whole spiritually, I think that told people something had happened. Personally, I believe that's what Jesus wants to do now. What he wants to do now is that he wants to touch your life and my life, not just so that we get made well, but so that other people see that there is a God who makes people well. Personally, I believe that Jesus doesn't just want to carry your sickness for your sake. He wants to take your sicknesses for his sake. Do you understand what I mean by that? So when you know, I was chatting with some guys last night about how I came to Christ and I was known as, as that kind of person. The next day, I didn't have to tell anybody that something had happened. People could see it. People could hear it. And I believe that's what Jesus wants to do in you. In you today, he wants you to confound your doctors. To make a consultant scratch your head thinking, what has gone on here? I think he wants... He wants to do something today that's going to make you confuse your family. It's like, but you've always been such a no, no, no. But now look at you. That's what I believe in my heart Jesus wants to do because he goes around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. Come on. Are you getting anything out of this? Because I'm just reading the Bible. Next bit is this one. Luke 7, really long bit of scripture. So we're going to do this really quick, aren't we, Catherine? Excellent. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he went to Capernaum. There a servant's, sorry, there a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him to say this, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant. Well, there's loads of stuff in here as well. Firstly, this centurion was not a believer of Jesus. 
neither was his servants, so we can tell, neither was the sick servant. But this servant, this centurion, knew about authority. He knew that Jesus carried an authority. In other words, when Jesus said stuff, things changed. When Jesus did stuff, things changed. When Jesus went somewhere, it, it changed. So he got that purely from a military centurion point of view. But he also got the principle. I know how this works because when I tell people under me do stuff, they do it. Have you got that? Right, here's, here's the point. The Bible's really, really clear that when Jesus rose up out of the grave, all authority, just say all authority, was given to him. Not, not to you or to me. All right, at this time. All authority was given to Jesus. Matthew 28 reinforces that. I have a theory that sometimes, sometimes good and sometimes not, is that if we have an issue with authority, it can generate a position where we actually get sick. What I mean by that is we can get frustrated. Uh, apparently, I haven't checked it out myself, but I've known a person that did. A lot of arthritic conditions are caused through state of mind you might not know that apparently that's true but I think my my conviction is based on this is that when we're living under the authority of who Jesus is there is freedom in that kind of lifestyle it makes us you and me like Teflon coated when it comes to sickness and disease I know it's going to be an ouch here because we don't like authority Actually, we do like authority. What we don't like is submission. In my experience, which is limited, is that we get authority. We get that if a policeman says stop, we stop. We get that if we're doing 40 in a 30 mile an hour zone and 30 comes, we get convicted and then we, we get that. But the issue that this is raising is how do we submit to authorities where freedom is found? Come on, stay with me. And what the centurion realises, wait a minute, I know how authority works and I don't abuse it, but when people do what they do, it works. And he just said, you don't even need to come, just say something. Because this sickness is under your authority, I see that. So he came and begged, he came under the authority of Jesus. He, he, he wasn't even saved, he wasn't even a man of faith. But he recognised Jesus was. So what does that mean? and I've seen this, and we can see this, is Jesus is so good, he's so amazing, that he will even use your prayer, your submission to authority, to heal people that don't even know God yet. Come on! He will use you. He wants to use you. He wants to send you and me out into this lost and broken world where there's a lot of unsaved people out there, and as we live under the authority of the Holy Spirit, under the authority of the presence of Jesus, he will release authority through you to heal the sick don't think that someone has to give their life to Jesus before he'll give his life to them because it don't work like that none of these people were saved when they got healed Jesus wants to use you me to release his healing grace to a lost and broken world how does he do that because I submit my heart to Jesus I submit my mind to Jesus. I submit my spirit to Jesus, if you like. Jesus is for your glory. Like when he stood outside the 
the, the cave when Lazarus was in there and all he got coming out was a four-day stink. He said, no, this isn't for, for my glory. This is to glorify God. Jesus wants to send you and me out into society to glorify God. The front row's getting it. But it's about authority. And what does that mean? Sometimes it means we have a bit of an argument. Jesus wants to heal that person. Well, I don't even like them. We'll just go and heal them anyway. I want to release grace to them. I don't even like them. We fell out like, well, I still want to release grace to them. That's what happens. That's what it means when we bring our life under authority. What it means is, it's not my will, but his will is done. Or maybe someone's just been a pest or pestered you. And maybe they've got this, that and the other. It's like, in your head, it might be, well, they deserve to have that. No, we all deserve to be like that. But Jesus doesn't give us what we deserve. Come on. It's all gone quiet in the room. I thought it would, because it challenges us. Because we're all here. We all have Sundays. And we all have authority. But the release is not in knowing authority. The release is submitting to it. We can't do Yahweh and my way. It doesn't work. And the reason why it worked with Jesus is because he went around doing good because he was anointed and the Lord was with him. So I believe we have authority over poverty, we have authority over sickness, we have authority over depression, oppression, fear, failure, guilt, shame. The list is endless. In fact, the Bible says all things have been put under the feet of Jesus. I know that. I know that, not because it's just in the Bible, but it's my experience of seeing that. Just come back from four days of seeing the reality of that. But it still didn't mean I could just stand up and say, yes, I can do this. Hallelujah, I don't need Jesus. Have a sit down. Because that would have been something totally different. It was God, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to say? Jesus, how do you want to reach these people? I don't even speak their language, but I pick up the cry. I can see the broken lives through the broken faces. I don't need to speak Italian to hear what they're saying. But Jesus, I can't do this, but I know you can. Jesus, actually, I don't even want to do this, but I know you do. And in that moment, we live under another authority. Hallelujah. Don't have time for the last couple of stories, but I'll just paraphrase one of them. We hear that Jesus went back to Capernaum and he was in a multi-storey building. And there were four guys that believed Jesus enough that they took the lid off the roof and lowered their mate down. I believe your faith and my faith can lift the lid of opportunity for others to get healed. I believe with a passion, that even if we don't think we really believe Jesus much, just put the bit you have in who he is and it will lift the lid of opportunity for others. And you'll be amazed uh, who, who God can set free and heal and touch just because we refuse to let go on them having that condition. Now, it's been going on long enough. We're not, we're not having that anymore. That is not God's best. That's not good. Hallelujah. And then the, this one's really funny. This is from Matthew 12. I love this one. Going on from that place in Capernaum, he went to their synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they said to him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good 
do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. What's the point of this? If we live under the law, it shrivels our lives up. If we live under the, I can't do this, I have to do that, can't be like this, if we live like that, it will shrivel our lives. Because the law only was given to show us that grace had to come. Come on. We can't live under the law. It's impossible. And if we try to, it just shrivels up our heart, our attitudes, our our words, our language. It just shrivels them up. In other words, it can take life from us. Yet what Jesus says is stretch out, stretch out towards me. And in the stretching, restoration comes. However long we've had that condition, restoration comes. Whatever the cause of that, the restoration comes. Whatever the extent of that, the restoration comes. Because when we stretch out towards Jesus, he stretches out towards you and towards me. And suddenly it said, it was made whole like the other one. That's the grace of God. Degenerative diseases, I hate them. I curse them. They're just robbing, stealing. The biggest degenerative disease that I think we have is unforgiveness. It's like cancer to the soul. And you might think, oh, well, physical, okay, that might be your view. God bless you. You're wrong, but God bless you. Now, unforgiveness is the cancer to our soul. Which is why Jesus, the first thing he did, one of the first things he did with his disciples, he breathed on them and said, this is forgiveness. So stand up, shall we? Forgiveness. And those of you who have gone through freedom know that it hits this big time. And it needs to. Because where there is any unforgiveness in our heart, God cannot do what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to go around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the enemy because he was anointed to do that and because God was with him. He wants to do that with you this morning. He wants to touch your heart and remove from you anything, anything at all, which is stopping you being as fruitful as God wants you to be. He wants to reach out and touch your mind, maybe influence that way of thinking or that train of thought or that pattern of thinking or just that that kind of learned pattern of responding in your mind. He wants to reach out and touch that so that you're a three thinker. He wants to touch your body so that it's not, you don't have to spend an hour trying to get up in the morning. Or maybe getting up is just too much because your body can't take it. No, no, he came to set you free. The Bible says Jesus came to set us free. And he wants to set you free. So just close your eyes a moment. Father, I thank you right now. In this place, you're here. I know you're here. I know you're here to do good and to heal all who are under the power of the enemy. Because you're anointed and your anointing is here right now. And because God was with you. And we believe that God is here with us. So, Father, I thank you right now 
by the Spirit of God right now, you touch our hearts. You touch our hearts. If there's any area where there's a lack of forgiveness, Lord, we forgive right now. It's not saying that whatever was done is right, but it is saying that we're not going to live in the wrong. It's not saying that it's all right, because it wasn't. But we're not going to live under the influence of somebody else's mistake. We want to be free. And I choose, we choose, you have to do this yourself, I can't do it for you. We choose to forgive whatever right now. And that, I believe, is a miracle. That's part of the healing process. Because sometimes we just think we don't deserve to be healed. And it is a lie. It will always be a lie. And it will stay a lie because Jesus came to heal you. He bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities. That is the truth. Hallelujah. So hip pain. Right now, we curse that. You have no right. You have no authority here. I thank you that you leave that body right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for freedom in that area. We come against arthritis. I curse arthritis. I curse it. I curse it. I curse it. You must leave these bodies, the finger joints, the thumb joint. You must leave these bodies because you do not have authority here. Jesus is the authority here. And we submit our condition to him. Say, Jesus, your Lord. You are Lord. You're Lord of our lives. You're Lord of our bodies. You're Lord of our emotions. You're Lord of our hearts, if we know you. You're Lord of our minds, if we know you. But Jesus, you are Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Any poverty mentality that we might be thinking we're, we're never going to be good enough or have enough or be enough. I break that spirit right now. Jesus, you took the curse of poverty and nailed it to the cross. And we declare victory over poverty right now. There is no stingy thinking, stingy talking, stingy believing because you are good. You are a good God who goes around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. We say that you're good. You are a good, good father. Hallelujah. Shame. Jesus, we just bring every shame to you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes away every shame that is brought under that flow of your life-giving blood. I thank you that you roll away the reproach, the stone of shame and of guilt. You rolled it away. You didn't hide shame under it. You rolled it away. And right now, I thank you that we can come to Jesus and say, Lord, take this shame away. Take this guilt away. Because you stood up and spoke over me, not guilty. Not guilty. 
guilty. Not guilty. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.